because we don't have the visionary here. I hope he's well. Um, I hope that uh, Chad, who's supposed to be on the show, um, didn't have like a family emergency or something and, and uh, that all is well with him. But he's not here. And um, <clears throat> we're going to explore what it's like to be a visionary, um, you know, when you when you have confusing assets in the market as well um, and what this happens. So Chad's going to have the opportunity to do a video and showcase whether he's a great leader um, or whether he has an inferiority complex um, about what occurs because, you know, it's, it's a, we're in a position to where this happens so often in our market where visionaries don't express clarity. They don't put their brands out there the way that they should, and it leaves the market confused. And what happens with the confused mind? The confused mind says no. Um, and what's really All right. cool, welcome in to Vision Pros Live with Jackson Callum. I'm your show host. We will be doing interviews for visionary entrepreneurs and guest leaders who are building fantastic visions out there. All right, welcome into Vision Pros Live. What's up, Jaime? You didn't know you're coming back on screen. <laughs> Awesome. Um, very cool. I, I'm your show host, Jackson Callum, founder of First Class Business, host of Vision Pros Live, obviously. Here we are. Um, and I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Icon Maker Live. We just had an excellent conference um, hosted in Charleston, South Carolina, but also more than uh, 200 people, more than 300 people um, tuned in to the event uh, throughout the world and got to learn about seven-figure podcasting. Um, and Tom Matson and Cheryl Pluff did an excellent job of running that. I, I don't want to take any credit away though from Danella Burnett, who also was part of that, is part of that founder crew. They have such an amazing system and process for helping people not just launch a podcast, but build a profitable business model in the process. And their decades of experience um, are something that uh, you know, when you meet them, when you get to see them speak, when you get to see what they do, you can see that they use their time super, super well um, in life to understand how the game of business works. Um, Cap Show, our other additional sponsor. Uh oh, uh, my my fingers no longer uh, reach that brand, but CapShow.com, C-A-P-S-H-O, phenomenal tool for getting your content marketing out there. I highly recommend it. Our team utilizes it to create show notes and to create social media posts from the content that we talk about in this show right here. Um, <clears throat> now we've got Chad Whitfeld. I think that's how I pronounce his last name. Chad, go and give me a thumbs up if that's the case. Um, so Chad and I have not had the chance to meet yet. Um, we, he was a little late to the show. Um, so Chad, I'm not trying to throw you into the bus. Um, just the reality that's there. And we will see what types of, uh, of leadership attributes come out as we do bring him onto the show. Now I had to, we had to figure out, all right, how do we name this? Because we've got somebody who's young and ambitious and has a great, uh, a great vision in mind that I'm excited to hear about that. And so we called this episode, exploring the vision of a young self-proclaimed real estate tycoon, because we looked through his LinkedIn, we see one brand that we can't find on Google. Um, we see the ability to help real estate agents with their marketing. And we see a, let's see here. Let me look in the notes one more time here. It was, um, oh, it's on a Google document. Um, partnered on over $30 million in real estate syndications. I mean, I would consider that tycoon level. And at the same time, we've learned through hard truths that a lot of real estate people, you know, if they, if they even touch the name Robert Kiyosaki and have read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, they, they make similar claims. Um, so what's really cool is Chad's going to get to come on here. He's going to get to expound his vision and help us see 
why it is that people should follow his vision. And I'm not here to challenge him and say, hey, man, you're wrong. I'm here to help facilitate transparency and to make sure that, you know, he's he's supported on his efforts to I'm assuming his intent is to do good and to help people in this world. And so if that's the case, this is going to turn into a beautiful conversation uh, that that moves from a state of discord to a state of harmony as we get to know each other. So, Chad, thanks for being my victim today um, as much as my guest. And uh, let's have some fun with this. How are you, man? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm doing really well. I love the freedom hat. Do you know Tony Lopes? I don't. Oh, I had to ask. He he wrote a book called Freedom at Risk. Um, and he is also one of those real estate tycoon um, individuals. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and, and he does know a lot about real estate. So I'm excited to dive into your vision, see what you're all about. Sure. And, uh, you know, we'll 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 hit it, we'll hit it hot and heavy. So let me give you let me give you your first question here. So, Chad, who should be listening today? Why should they listen to you and what are they going to get out of today's show? Do you think? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, anyone who really has been in a place in their life where they've, they've been told they couldn't right? why you should listen to me. That's really up for you to decide because the truth of the matter is I'm not a real estate tycoon at all. <laughs> <You're> good. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a boy from the Midwest trying to make my mark on the world and, and live the life that everyone I grew up around told me I couldn't have. Right. So that's really nice. my piece. That's really my story. So you and LeBron. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's his story. That's what he that's what he said. So that's yeah. good, man. And no, I, I'll take the pressure off quite a bit too. Good, um, so the goal, the goal, I appreciate you letting us know that again. We were getting creative with titles. We didn't have you here. Um, so we had to come up with a title on our own. Um, and you know, again, I, I do see in your LinkedIn profile that you help real estate entrepreneurs automate and dominate their markets as industry leaders. So without being a tycoon, um, how do you help them dominate their markets? What's uh, what's behind the, the process, so to speak? For sure. So I got my start in real estate by building out uh, acquisition systems for money and for deals, right? And so that's how I had my value prop into my first syndication of an apartment building. Mm -hmm. um, from there, we've gone through a lot of iterations, right? I've done, I've done deals on the passive side of things quite a few times. And ultimately I partner with funds and other syndicators who want to dial in their systems and processes. And that's what it allows me to get a piece, a chunk of the deal. Um, so yeah. Nice. Okay. So systems operations, uh, back in support for the fulfillment side or for the, um, the initial onboarding of prospects. This is going to be for acquiring accredited investors, whether it's into a reggae fund or a 506C, um, as well as managing and developing broker relationships and pipeline flow of opportunity. Okay. And let me see here. Ah, that was the one that also got me. So uh, I totally forgot about the crypto renegades thing. Um, mm -hmm. So crypto renegades, um, well, I was Googling that as well. I saw like a crypto renegades.com. Is that yours? I don't. No, it is not. We've had some iterations with website stuff. So, okay. There's a crypto renegade.com. That's why I was like, shoot, is this his or not? No, um, but do you have a website for crypto renegades? Uh, I have a funnel. You have a funnel? Okay. Yeah, you want to send that link over funnels. real quick? Um, it doesn't hurt to, to pull that up on the screen while we, while we chat about it. So what's your primary sure. focus these days? Um, are you Richard Branson um, building like multiple focus points, which is totally fine? Or is it crypto or is it real estate? Is it both? 
It's both. Yeah, it's both. So I have a team around me, you know, so I'm allowed to, <laughs> I'm allowed to triple down on my superpowers in a lot of different places, but the crypto got started yeah. at a pretty young age. Um, I had a really, really geeky friend and uh, we bought Bitcoin together at about 300 bucks a coin. Oh, nice. That was the very first iteration. Um, from there, I went and visited him. One of his rental properties turned into an entire mining farm. From there, I bought my first mining rig for 15 grand. Within three months, we had a $2.5 million warehouse of Ethereum mining GPUs with a partner. Um, that was probably one of the most positive investments I've ever made. The cash on cash return was absolutely outstanding. The appreciation on the hardware at that time, we had a connection in China and we had you know buying power. Um, so the, not only the amount of money we made on cash flow for mining, but also the appreciation on the hardware easily the best and one of the best investments I've ever made. Um, very interesting exit strategy. That is a whole nother story. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, like you mind going into that. Cause that was awesome. That that's, you know, yeah. man, it would have been, it would have been awesome. How old were you when this you started was, that? So I just turned 30. This, I made my exit out of that about three years ago. So I'm sorry. I'm, how old were you when you started the crypto mining? When I first started crypto mining, yeah. Uh, let's see here. So I mined, that was three years ago, five years ago. So I was 25. 25. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, and so. you, all right. So yeah, the, the exit strategy, you, you alluded to, uh, some whole other thing there. Do you mind ex expounding upon that? Because I think a lot of people who are listening in, um, you know, there's just, there's so much, there's so much um, skimming through the process of talking about crypto that I think people feel uncomfortable with it because they never really get to know the details of like what happened, yeah. why, how it works. And I'd love to hear, you know, your experience because you you did get to play pretty big in that market. Yeah. I mean, for for a guy like me, yeah, it was big. But in the grand scheme of things, we were small time. But um, nonetheless, oh, when you're on I Ellen DeGeneres show. Yeah, that, that, that will make sense, but I'm not Ellen right. <laughs> or Jimmy yeah, no, Fallon, for sure. So for sure, man. Going to um, yeah, so when it came time to make the exit, right, like there was a lot of chatter around the crypto community in general. The mining community is pretty tight-knit. There's a lot of hobbyists, right? A guy with a couple GPUs, you know, he might make a couple hundred bucks a month. Not really a big deal. At the height, we were doing six figures a month, right? So we had a quite a bit bigger operation than the average guy. I was personally reading every single word that the development team from ethereum was putting out mm. because the most profitable profitable mining was ethereum nothing even came close to it and so i knew that ethereum was moving from proof of work allowing it to be mineable by gpu to proof of stake which would eliminate its mineability mm. right i also knew that the amount of hashing power once that is gone is going to go it flood into all the other alternatives raising the difficulty rate in turn causing lower profitability i needed to time my exit i knew the party was going to stop i knew the music was going to stop and the chairs were going to be gone right mm. so i was very very perspicacious around what was going on meanwhile an overwhelming majority of the community didn't want to admit that the party might end right the talk around town was hey they've been working on this for four years they're never gonna get it we're gonna mine this till the day we die mm -hmm. right when you got something plugged into your wall and it's making you a small part-time salary at whatever hobbyist level you don't want the party to end right, right? so you validate that 
information with biases in the market. And so when it came time to make my exit, I had a lot of hardware to move. Right. Mm -hmm. And so my assistant's posting this stuff everywhere she possibly can to get it sold because I want it out. And the amount of backlash I got for that was quite interesting that I was a fraud, <laughs> that I was a traitor, that I was, uh, a, a, you know, I was giving up. I'm, I'm, you know, this, that every mean name under the sun. Now here's the fun part. Yeah. Two and a half months later, crypto moves into a massive correction. The appreciation of the hardware goes pretty much all the way back down to baseline of where it was. And um, Ethereum became officially proof of stake and no longer mineable with GPU. So I couldn't mm. have timed my exit any better than I than I did. Good so, for you, man. That's, that's well, I think it's huge. And I think it's, you know, to, to kind of correlate that with a real world, world experience that I think everybody here understands is uh, I look at Whataburger. Whataburger is a big fast food chain in, in Texas. Um, and you know, they're like the Texas chain that everybody loves here. Ham, our burgers are better than in and out, you know, like it's a big old fight in and out and water burger. Well, they sold two, three years ago now. Um, it hasn't been that long. And you know, this is a family owned operation. So now they've sold to, I don't know, it's like, I think it was the umbrella that owns Chipotle. Um, but you know, the backlash they got, right. All mm -hmm. the haters come out of like, you know, oh, you guys are selling out, you know, you guys are frauds, you know, how can you do this? Like. Yeah, people are going to have their opinions. Um, you know, naturally their their emotions are invested in a certain way things are done, etc. But at the same time, like uh, there was a couple of us Texans who were silently applauding. You know, like, hey man, like good job, you guys lived the dream. You built something amazing for us, and you knew that it's it's time to cash in on this and and pursue whatever other dreams you want in life. Don't let the world tell you what to do. So, I think it's really cool that you. Yeah. You knew what you were supposed to do. You had the power to stand up for your principles, your vision for this, and you took action. Um, have the positive repercussions of that outweighed, you know, the negative cons? And how long did that, does, does that still follow you? Does it still bother you at all? Like the the backlash or where, where it you never, now? It never, I got thick skin, man. I mean, okay. you know, I like I said, I grew up, I grew up pretty middle class Midwest. You know, you get bullied, you get in fights, you get beat up. Like that was how you grew up as a kid, right? So I got yeah. pretty thick skin. Uh, I thought it was comical. I laughed about it the whole time. <laughs> I never put any energy into it. And, you know, it's really hard to, it's really hard to validate somebody's opinion when you have a $2.5 million warehouse pulling on, you know, six figures a month, some months and some guy with three gpus worth a thousand dollars is trying to validate his thoughts onto you like i couldn't care less you know good so. for you i love that and i hope i hope more of you visionaries hear that because that's probably one of the greatest challenges a lot of you face um is just not not being comfortable with owning your vision and and what you see so moving forward chad um in 30 seconds what's your vision for those that you serve right now yeah, I think just opening, opening my journey, opening my journey and living uh, my, my truth, you know, um, I don't have any, the thing is, man, I don't have anyone to sell. I don't have anything to sell anybody. <laughs> That's okay. the beauty of where I'm at in my life. Right. And so I think just by sharing what I'm doing and hopefully inspiring other people to go against the grain, live differently, um, and, and take on challenges head first is, is ultimately what led me to my highest place of fulfillment. Nice. So what is that vision? What are you doing currently? Um, I'll let you take that drink first, though, and fill the air. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the reality is, especially as a young man, you go through iterations and seasons of life, 
right? So at first, you know, you and you really have to go and and become somebody of accomplishment, right? You don't get to become an, you don't get to be truly fulfilled and happy by posting some inspirational quote on your Facebook or your Instagram. It might make you feel good for 30 seconds and give you that dopamine hit. But the reality is we're born to conquer and accomplish, right? And so first, I think my story was actually becoming somebody of value and having real accomplishment, right? And in turn, what comes from that is typically going to be financial gain, right? So being at that place now that I have, you know, abundance in my finances in life, right? Okay. From there, while I was building that, I let my health suffer. So then I had to go through a new iteration of season and become a man of physicality. I had to get in shape. I had to learn how to, I got into jujitsu, got into the gym, got into walking 10,000 steps a day, eating right, right? Yeah. Having a solid foundation in my morning routine. Okay, great. I got those two pillars down, but I'm, a, I'm lonely. I don't have an amazing woman in my life. Mm. Right. So then I go through the next iteration and become more emotionally intelligent and go find the most incredible partner in the world. Right. So now I have an amazing woman by my side. Okay. Now what? Well, I, I haven't really spent a whole lot of time working on my faith and finding something that's a higher being than me. So I go through these iterations and these seasons in life. And at this point, you know, 30 years old, going through quite a few different rounds of this, now having something where I feel very, very well sound, happy, fulfilled in all of these pillars in my life, right? Interesting. So how much did uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs have an impact on that um, or did it not at all? You know, I think reality for me, man, it really comes down to the money. It really comes down to the money because when I had no money, I was broke. You can't even you can't even start to think in a frame of abundance when you're when you're broke and just barely getting by. You're thinking about the necessities. Right. How am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to put put food in my stomach? How am I going to, you know, fill my piece of piece of junk car with fuel to go make 30 bucks an hour or 20 bucks an hour, whatever it is. Right. And at that point in your life, especially as a young man, you don't have anything to offer the world. Right. You don't necessarily have anything to offer an incredible woman. Right. So, you know, you don't necessarily have those things. And uh -huh. um, so for me, it was the money first. I had to ha I had to make the money first. I had to be somebody who could at least provide for myself before I could even consider providing for other people around me. Gotcha. Well, you're talking about that sound a little bit like, for those who aren't familiar, Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, begins with oxygen. If you don't have oxygen, um, there's nothing else you really want in life. Um, that's it. Mm -hmm. And then once you have oxygen, if you're starving, you want food. If you need water, you, you need to get your water in. There's these elements of essentials um, building up towards like, okay, now I have that. Now I want safety. Now I've got safety. I want friendship. I want, I got friendship. I want fulfillment. I got fulfillment. I want, to transcend. Um, right. And that's kind of how you described this ascension process of, of kind of where you're at, where you're going. And I uh, said, so that was really interesting, but you don't have a, you don't have a need right now. You don't have anything that the people, um, you don't have anything to sell people, but do you have an audience that you serve? And if so, what do you, what do you bring to the table? What do you, what is it that, uh, they would get out of, I guess, following your path? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a small audience on social media, you know, it's not something that, um, I validate myself through. Right. Sure. And so for me, um, it's really, I really just show up and speak my honest truths. 
what I'm going through in my life, the challenges I face, the iterations I go through, the successes I have, and really what it means to me at not only at the highest level of my internal belief system, my emotions, the people around me, et cetera. Um, but I think, I think especially for me growing up, it's really hard to take advice and listen to somebody who's not like you. Yes. Right. And I think there's a lot of young men out there like me. I think there's a lot of young men out there who grew up in middle class, Midwest. They spent their entire life being told, hey, go to school for four years, go get an engineering degree, and you're going to make 40, 50K. As you get your raise, you might, you might buy a boat one day and you're going to be living it up. Right. Like, I think a lot of people like to make up their story and whatever that looks like. Right. But like, I think just speaking my truth and, and my journey and, and being transparent along the way, um, I think a lot of people can resonate with it just because they see themselves in that same path and place that I've been through. Um, yeah. Um, well, I see that. And so they, they see the inspiration. So as the, you know, and I'm trying to think about it, correlate this, but um, it sounds like your vision is more of like living your best life. Um, and that if people want to kind of join you in the process, they can get in touch and things might come of it. Um, because they want to be involved. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, more or less. I mean, personally, like the selfish reason behind it, like I get a lot of enjoyment and fulfillment out of having people message me and it happens all the time, especially when I documented my health journey. I had people messaging me every single day, thanking me for being public about getting in shape, right? Yeah. Showing me, hey man, I just, I just did this, this, and this. I've been in the gym for the last three weeks. I feel incredible. I can't thank you enough. Like I have a selfish fulfillment and I just personally feel like I, God gave me this opportunity in my life to be, to be in this place where I don't need to sell anybody anything, right? And so... Yeah. Um, being able to document my process and, and help other people along the same path, I just get, I just get personal fulfillment and enjoyment out of it. And then I also find that when I speak on it, I learn something new, right? Well, yeah. there's been multiple times I'll be, I mean, I don't, I don't even go on social media anymore. I have a team who goes and films me and cuts everything up and puts it all on my social media, replies to everything, manages my entire thing for me. However, when those wins come through or I'll go and I'll, I'll go approve their final edits and I'll say something, I'll be like, Oh, wait a minute. I it just trigger something when you hear yourself reiterate it back to you and it makes you think a little bit differently sometimes. So for sure. The vision gets clear um, mm -hmm. as well as you play with it, as you look, just like any vision, you know, if you stand on a hilltop and you look out um, for 10 seconds, you close your eyes, turn around, you're going to have a, you know, and then you turn back around and look, you're going to catch different things, you know, depending yep. on the landscape in front of you, the same is true of, of your, your vision and direction in life. Um, so I, I like that. I appreciate that a lot. Um, I would say then that it's, I'm not trying to put you in a box as much as just trying to help the audience understand, sure. um, you know, what, what to, what to attach themselves to in relation to you. And so you kind of like, you seem like you're living the creator influencer economy. Um, like within that or the creator and, you know, they call it the creator influencer economy and there's people who are kind of leading the way for life doesn't have to be the way that it, it was, we were, it was portrayed. It had to be, like you said, go get a boat, live your happy life <laughs> on a boat, um, you know, and, and consider that good versus being able to kind of experience and do more Tim Ferriss style. Right. Um, 
Is that is that accurate or is that still inaccurate? I'm not sure. I don't really consider myself an influencer primarily because I don't really care that much. I mean, my you can, you can ask anyone around me. I don't I don't yeah. live through Instagram. I don't I don't live through the lens. You know, at one point in my a very short period of my life, everything all my experiences were curated for an Instagram story. And I realized that led me nowhere but to feel unhappy, unfulfilled, and flat out silly, right? And so I don't really care that much to, to validate myself on social media, primarily because I have real accomplishment in my business and my relationship and everything else around me. Um, I just, uh, yeah, it's just fun to me. I just, I like filming. Okay, and, so there it is. So it's fun. It's fun to you. Yeah, it's just fun, you know. Just right, fun. Doing these interviews talking to people yeah. about talking shop masterminding ultimately talking shop man and then ultimately um you know when people see what i can speak on the experiences i've, I've had the things i've done um i i only work with people on an extremely high level right so ultimately it has led to some some high level uh business arrangements as well um but for the average person like you know, when you get off a podcast, someone says, oh, where where can people find you at? And you plug in your website and you do this and you try to send them to a lead magnet to get their name, email and phone number. I don't because I don't care. <laughs> well, like, you if know, you like what I have to say, what's that? Well, you already know the truth, too, that it, it all is a lead magnet as it is. Um, right. Your, your lead magnet is your word, your story. You know, sure. people are going to gravitate towards that because you have a success story. And naturally, they're going to find a way to connect with you because you do have those profiles and your assistants are going to take care of that. So your presence is your lead magnet. Yeah, to a degree, to a degree. I think I think what I was speaking on specifically is peddling some low right. level $97 crappy ebook, you know. So, yeah, no, I agree. It's uh, there. there's both of those things Those contrasting the two, the positive with the negative. Um, you know, like, Hey, they don't, don't overthink this. If you've got value, give the value. Um, and you bring that value with what you do because you've had that success. Yeah. hundred yeah. yeah. percent. So, uh, what's, what's your worst business experience ever? You have yeah. One? Great. I love that question so much. Um, every, I mean, there's been multiple, but all of them revolve around bad partnerships mm. at a young age too. Uh, my first business failed at 20. Um, and my next business diverted at 24 and it was all because of partnership alignment. And I think at that age, I really didn't know what I know now, obviously. And if I were to do it over again, and the advice I would give is understand that equity is expensive. You might be starting a business today that has in, you, you have no revenue. Right. So you think, okay, part, let me give fit somebody 50% of this partnership. However, what about 10 years down the road when that business is doing a hundred million, that 50% equity just got a lot more expensive. Right. And so for me, what comes to mind is getting to a cash position as quickly as possible. What, whatever that looks like. If, you know, if you're 20 years old, and you don't know what you want to do. You know, you want to start a business. I personally think getting six figures in the bank as quickly as possible is goal number one before as you're growing that business, primarily because instead of partnering, you can hire, right? And when you have that cash position of liquidity, you're going to be in a much better place to not be in an equity crunch, trying to sell equity off to get help. Um, number two, 
later down the road when it does time when it might be make sense to become partners or partner on something understand the dynamics of the partnership right obviously you have the basics very very clear upfront uh, roles obligations what they bring to the table clawback provisions if they're not non-performance clawbacks all that good stuff super important but i think psychologically and internally the next the most important thing you won't, you never want to partner with somebody who's like you. Never. That's that's the worst thing you can possibly do. Let's say let's say for let's just use an arbitrary example. Let's say that you have five years of experience running a Fortune 500 sales team. You're responsible for over half a billion dollars in revenue through that sales team. You're a rock star. You know everything you need to do about sales. You know how to manage. You know how to break everything. Right. Why on God's green earth would you go partner with John who had the exact same role with your competitor's company? You have the good. exact same superpowers. Because it feels good. All you're doing is wasting your equity. You're right. And I see this happen time and time and time again. Um, and so, yeah, never partner with anybody who's like you because it's completely pointless. Dude, so. these are golden. I'm like letting you just yeah. go because these are golden. <laughs> they really are. Um, and anybody who's listening right now, like, you know, you want that yin yang experience in business, somebody who's going to not understand, <coughs> excuse me, everything that you do um, and on your side. And there's plenty of weaknesses that you have as a visionary as well that need to be the, the gaps need to be filled. And there's a lot of business gaps to fill. So, uh, wow, man, uh, very, very well said. Um, so it sounds like you've had some ups and downs in the business world, which I'm grateful for. Um, I'm mm -hmm. grateful to hear about as well. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's the, the, the devils and the details as is the divine, as is the, as are the dividends. Um, all three of those reality, you, you can't, it's only superficial if you don't go deeper. So the, how many businesses have you had? I'll have to count, man. It's, I've gone yeah. through a lot of iterations. My very first business was a landscaping company at the age of 16 years old. I learned a lot from that business. During co through college, I had a um, I would arbitrage electronics, which is essentially me just buying every single person's iPhone, laptop, tablet I could possibly get my hands on college campus, flip it on eBay. Right? That business is funny, you know. I, I talk to people today, right? They're 25, 30 years old. They're trying to you know, start this business. They're doing a couple grand a month, man. That business in college would, it, it was a six figure business. It was doing over 10 K a month. And why? Because I hustled I see and that. I hustled. I'd put up flyers. I'd put up Craigslist ads, Facebook I would do everything. And I, my phone all day, every day, all I did was walk around campus buying stuff. And I just kind of feel like if you're not within, if you're not at six figures within your first year and a half to two years in business, that you have one or two problems. One, you don't have product market fit, meaning the market doesn't actually want your offer, mm -hmm. right? That probably tell you, let's get into a different opportunity vehicle. And that's if and only if you're actually doing the work, right? You're probably not working that hard. I think a lot of people put merit that they work so hard and ultimately end up just playing the mental tickling game. Oh, I want to start learning how to do real estate deals. I'm going to go to five different real estate conferences over this year. And guess what? You do the same thing every single time you get home from that real estate conference. You put all your notes in a, in a binder, put them under your bed, and go back to what you were doing before you went to the conference. Right? Yep. 
Same thing. Well, that's number two. I mean, I, James Malinchak is a goofball, by the way. Um, he, he's a <laughs> he's a speaker, trainer, uh, wonderful guy. And he actually had some super wisdom in this session. He talked about how, you know, he, he was one of the best three-point shooters in college. And he talked about how he was working his butt off to get that three-point thing down. And he could not make it for the life of him. And some old man came and told him about the mechanics of, of geometry, kind of how it works and like how he should put his arm in an L shape and, and shoot that way. And it changed everything for him. And he had this concept. He said, don't, don't work smarter. Don't work harder. Do the right work. And I was like, dude, you almost nailed it, you goofball. Like work smarter, work harder, and do the right work. So I think there's that element of, you know, you've also got, you know, can't just take those notes and then, you know, go do the wrong thing. You still have to learn how to do the right thing. But if you can combine those three elements, like you said, then then your vision is likely to get built if you have that product market fit too. For so sure. excellent, excellent um, yeah. addition there. What's your best experience in business? My best experience is I connected two people, two people in my network and CC'd them on an email. And I made about $27,000 in 30 seconds. <laughs> that was really fun. I enjoyed that a lot. And it made me really passionate. It, it caused me, to, it was the easiest money I ever made. And I think this is a really good speaking point because it doesn't get merit enough, in my opinion. Everybody wants to go post on their Instagram. Your network is your net worth. But 99% of people don't actually know how to cultivate real opportunity from their network. Right. Yeah. And here's here's three simple steps that I do to cultivate my network and actually have it be a seven figure plus network. Number one, celebrate. Right. If you're building a network, I can guarantee you, you can go on Facebook of people in your network and they're going to say, oh, I just closed this deal. Oh, I just bought this this rental property. Right. Instead of just liking the post or whatever and moving on, call that person. Say, John, I'm so proud of what you've accomplished over the last three years. Like, it's incredible to see your journey. If you ever need anything at all, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love for our paths to cross in the future. Really? Right. Which leads me to point number two be a person of accomplishment, right? Be so darn good at the thing that you're an expert in so that when your network has a problem, you're the first person they think of. Because being somebody of accomplishment, all it is is solving problems and putting yourself in the flow of money by, by creating solutions. That's life, right? That's business in general, yep. right? Number three, create merit. Creating merit, super simple, guys. This is when you see it's somebody's birthday, don't just brush over it. Like if they're in your network and you know it's their birthday, call them up, send them a gift card to their favorite restaurant, right? You know, do something. So that then when the time comes around for your opportunities, paths to cross, they think of you, they trust you, they like you, they want to work with you, right? And plot twist, this is a long-term game. This isn't something yeah. that you forticate in two weeks because if you do, or if you try to, that just means you're a sleazebag, right? Like, like this is the, the, the truth about cultivating your network is genuinely caring and inputting mm -hmm. real deposits into it. And from there, your network can actually become your net worth. Not a lot of people do that because it does take effort. No, they don't. And that is, that's brilliant. Um, it's, it's brilliant. It's important. It feels right. Um, you know, and it's what we, we should be taking care of our relationships. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, Chad, um, that celebrate aspect too, to, uh, one, 
you know, so many people want to hype things up and they want to get in this excitement or this fun mode. Um, one person, one mentor in my life, Glenn Morshower, who's been in like 200 something video movies, Star Trek, um, wow. you know, uh, Transformers, etc. He's the one person that I've ever heard teach the concept of celebrate. That is yep. his main thing is celebrate, right? Enjoy things. You're the second person um, I've ever heard. And, and as I listen to your story, what you've done, where you've gone, what you've accomplished. And, you know, anybody who's listening right now, like the IQ that Chad has is through the roof. And I'm going to ask you about that next. But first, guys, if you didn't write it down, write it down. Celebrate. Like, yep. like authentically call those people and celebrate them, not you. Um, in that case, celebrate what they're up to. And as you mentioned, like think of meaningful birthday um, opportunities rather than just jump on the bandwagon and slapping that stupid GIF that nobody cares about. Um, and like actually tell them what you're grateful for about them. What, what types of experiences you've had in the past, give them a memory or something. But I like what you said too. give them a gift too. Yep. you know, like actually do something for them. Just they're, they're just extremely brilliant, important relationship aspects that um, I probably learned way too late in life. Um, yeah. you know, and I haven't even done, I haven't done the call to celebrate thing. I'm like, shit, like I can, I need to be a better, a better friend. Um, all of, just that all of the, all of this came from my own experience. I had a great network, but I was broke mm -hmm. and I was pissed. Like I have, I have all of these people who are multi multi-millionaires and I'm broke. Why? <laughs> you know? yeah. and uh it, it, it upset me and yeah. yeah now it's well you did something about it you exactly you, you put a you put a formula together you started following it and yeah. that's awesome and as you keep doing that like you said it's a cultivation process long term you'll have your ups and downs um you know but hopefully you'll have more ups and downs as you stay true to uh that process so how the heck did you get so smart that's a good question. Go way man. back. I you know, really... like, I mean, I know you study. It's obviously you study. It's obviously you, you keep going. It's obviously working your tail off, but like, go way back. Like, where did this, yeah. where did you start to unlock your wits and your yeah, intelligence? I really enjoy that question because I was, I never did well in school. I hated school. I absolutely hated it. And even through college, I hated it. However, my first job was at the age of 50. This is my first and only job I've ever had. And I used this job to put myself through college along with my uh, electronic business at the time. But I started working at a pretty affluent country club. And pretty quickly, I went from busboy to barback to bartender, right down in the men's grill. And the men's grill is this bar attached to the locker room where the high rollers would go to get away from the wives and kids because they weren't allowed in there at that time. <laughs> and I learned pretty quickly pretty quickly, the better conversations I had, the better questions I asked, the more I got people talking about themselves, the more relationships I built, it was directly correlated to the amount of money I made. Right. And so here I am 20 years old, working four to five months out of the year, making 50, 55 grand bartending because I was building relationships and getting really good tips. Right. And the tips were a very, very small percentage of it. I quickly began to realize you know, these, these very successful men quickly start offering me positions at their companies, quickly start offering me all sorts of opportunities, right? And so I took that with me to college. And essentially what I, what I realized after college was during it, my friend and I had very different spring break schedules, 
they were about two weeks apart and we loved to travel together right we we never got to see each other much because we're away at two different colleges so at the end of every semester every year we would go on a spring break trip together which put me in a position to go to my professors and say hey i need to you know take my exams maybe a week or two early is that okay mm-hmm. And the amount of times that my professor would say, don't even worry about taking the exam, dude, you're good. <laughs> and it was very profound. And I started to think and wonder why after, after people would ask me, hey, what'd you get on your exam? I didn't take it. And of course we would start to unpack that. And the reality was during class, I was simply asking questions of merit above the curriculum that they did not want to derail the class to go over. And so they'd say, Chad, just uh, come talk to me after class. We'll go over that. And some of my professors were, was the COO of Enron running mm-hmm. oil through the ocean. You think, of course I want to learn from that guy. Right. Yes. So I'm asking these questions, right? I'd go up to him after class. And uh, oftentimes I would ask them out to dinner, to a coffee, to go have a beer, you know? And so I quickly realized that, it's not that I didn't like education and learning. I just didn't like traditional education. I didn't like being forced to read junk that I wasn't ever going to use. And so I quickly learned how to ask questions and you really don't need to be that smart. You just need to be articulate enough to find the information and be likable enough that people who are smarter than you want to give it to you. And I've just ran that way my entire life and it served me really well. The other thing that really goes well with this, having that as a superpower and having that as a skill, our selfish pleasure in life is talking about ourselves. If I can ask you very profound, well thought out questions that tickle that, your accomplishments, ultimately you're going to like me. You're going to like me a lot more because you're smiling. You're talking about yourself. I'm genuinely interested, listening, learning. Right. It's such an easy way to fortitude an incredible relationship with somebody. So I love that you use the word fortitude as well. Um, You you could certainly use it to fabricate. Um, You know, you you could use it to try to facilitate. But fortitude is the appropriate word there. Um, You're you're talking about utilizing that opportunity to get to know somebody at their depth. um, And in the process, of course, you're going to earn their trust. um, And then what you do with that, Um, you know, if you continue to utilize that to uplift their life, um, then you're, you're building a true relationship. So this turned out to be an amazing episode. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I hope you forgive me for, for the beginning. Of I love it, man. The episode. And I know it's going to create a little bit of controversy for people. So it'll be fun. People will get yeah. to, to play with that. Um, and, uh, you know, vision pros, um, I want you to know that, you know, this, this only happens when you're talking to somebody who's a true leader, um, you know, where this flip occurs. And I, I will always strive to protect our audience um, in situations. I will always try to make sure that the most transparent conversation comes out so that you guys get the most out of this. And I'm I'm super highly impressed, Chad, um, with how our conversation went. I learned a lot today um, and um, I, I look forward to the day somebody falls on their face during that experience a little bit. So that we can also lift them back up. I hope nobody ever runs. I know that will happen at some point. Some people will eventually like just slam it off. Be like, how could you present me like that? Um, but uh, Vision Pros, this isn't about that. This is about unlocking visions. It's about making sure that, um, you know, we, we can utilize these stories to validate our experiences. Somehow you systematized that exam process. Bro, that blows my mind. I got lucky. 
And I never caught that that was part of the system. I had a 0.33 GPA my first semester of college, 4.0 in dating, 0.33 GPA. <laughs> All right. I wasn't doing too well. And I only got a 0.33 GPA because my international politics teacher loved me. And I was going to his class. I was asking the great questions. We were talking afterwards. I didn't turn in the final paper. I did not go to the final exam. And he still gave me a C. Um, and I think he looked at my record and was like, this kid is like ruining his life right now. Uh, let me see if I can help a little bit because he at least cared enough to go. It was the hardest class we had. Um, and so, but I didn't, I didn't catch the, the systematic reality that you're right. Like they're, they're people, they're human beings with excellent track records in life. And they're there to help you succeed. And if you're willing to play ball and, 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 you know, do your part then they're going to do what they can to, to help you succeed and win. Absolutely, man. I hope youngsters hear this, man. Like this is, yeah. this is huge. So Chad, thanks for your time. We've gone over a little bit of vision pros, but it was absolutely worth it. Any final thing you'd like to share um, with the audience chat? I'll just give you one more chance to throw another gold nugget at people. You are never a product of your own environment. It doesn't matter where you grew up. doesn't matter what projections and labels people put onto you doesn't matter. You'll never become a product of it. You are only a product of your decisions. Well said, man. Vision pros. Y'all have a fantastic day. Chad, if you don't mind sticking around for a minute, everybody have a phenomenal week and we'll see you on the next show. Take care. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here today. I'm really happy that you tuned in to Vision Pros Live. I'm looking forward to seeing your reactions as these episodes continue to move forward. This is going to get more and more fun. We'll have more and more engagement as well. We'll invite people to participate in the show. And